Sketch of James Jesse Strang in the Mormon Kingdom of Beaver Island. Reprinted from Volume 13 of Michigan Pioneer and Historical Collections. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sketch of James Jesse Strang. Reprinted from Volume 18 of the Michigan Pioneer and Historical Collections. From the New York Times, September 3, 1882. One of the most singular episodes of Western frontier history is that of the Mormon kingdom which flourished for nearly ten years on Beaver Island at the foot of Lake Michigan and was overturned in 1856 by the murder of its founder and the forcible dispersion of its followers. Two gentlemen of Detroit have in the last few years, as leisure permitted and in a spirit of cooperation, gathered together considerable material, documentary and otherwise, relating to the Manitou monarchy, and this fact makes possible now a detailed narrative of the incidents attending its rise and fall. Mr. Henry A. Cheney, the reporter of the State Supreme Court, made Beaver Island the objective point of his vacation jaunt a few summers ago, and examined the relics of King Strain's reign, and talked with a score of men who were active in the ranks of his retainers or his foes. The results of these observations and interviews were subsequently embodied in an entertaining paper which Mr. Cheney read to a local library association known as the October Club, but which has never been published. This sketch was afterward turned over by its author, with all his notes and a few pamphlets, to Mr. Charles K. Backus, the assistant commissioner of immigration of this state, who examined newspaper files and corresponded with men who were connected or came in contact with Streng or the sect which he led. With the information gathered from such a variety of sources, Mr. Backus prepared the article upon An American King, published some time since in Harper's Magazine. The story is worth telling with somewhat more of detail, and all the writing of this letter has been preceded by a careful examination of the material still in the possession of Mr. Backus. The following facts as to the early history of King Strang are given in a manuscript biography prepared by one of his sons, Charles J. Strang of Lansing, an entirely trustworthy man, from data furnished by his mother with the addition of a few circumstances mentioned in a letter from a surviving sister or recorded in the columns of old newspapers. James J. Strang was born in Scipio, New York, on March 21, 1813, but his farmer father, Clement Strang, removed to Hanover, Chautauqua County, in 1816, and he lived in that town until his manhood. He received only the ordinary education of a country school, followed by a short term at the Fredonia Academy, but he was an industrious student, carrying books with him to his work, prominent in the local debating clubs and noted especially for the excellence of his memory. At twelve years of age he joined the Baptist Church and was for some time an active member. At twenty-one he commenced the study of law with borrowed books, and while working at a farm two years afterwards he was admitted to the bar, and was soon married to Miss Mary Purse, who lived with him, bearing him three children until he adopted polygamy. After his marriage he practiced law at Mayville and at Ellington, edited a paper at Randolph, worked on a farm, traveled on various business errands, and lived a somewhat roving life. At one time he taught school, and at another delivered temperance lectures. 
he also held for a short term the postmastership at ellington finally in eighteen forty three he immigrated to burlington racine county wisconsin and there entered into a partnership as an attorney with mr c p barnes as a boy he is described as eccentric self-confident and bright as a young man he was energetic glib-tongued and exceedingly anxious to make his name distinguished in january eighteen forty four some of the itinerant mormon missionaries aroused his interest in their cause and persuaded him to visit nauvoo where he found joseph smith at the zenith of his career strang's conversion was prompt and his promotion rapid on february twenty fifth eighteen forty four he was baptized into the communion of the latter-day saints on march third he was made an elder and commenced at once his work in the mormon ministry in the following june joseph and hiram smith were murdered by the mob at carthage and strang at once claimed to have been appointed the dead prophet's successor the basis of his claim was afterwards set forth by him in a small pamphlet gospel tract number four Borey, wisconsin eighteen forty eight entitled the diamond he declared that a letter of appointment written by joseph smith at Navo on june eighteenth and mailed there on june nineteenth came to strang in the mail at burlington wisconsin on july ninth in those times of irregular and slow postage service in the west these dates were not unnatural their significance lies in the fact that the letter thus appeared to have been written some days before and received some days after the killing of the prophet it was couched in the usual phraseology of the mormon documents a wordy imitation of the scriptural style and contained an account of a celestial vision in which his appending fate was apparently revealed to the writer and he was told that to james j strang shall the gathering of the people be for he shall plant a stake at zion in wisconsin and i will establish it the original of this letter is still in existence and has a postscript which does not appear on the printed version this postscript asks for occasional reports of progress from which it would seem as if the stake of zion in wisconsin was to be a branch of the church and as if the letter did not refer to the prophetic secession evidently its suppression in the pamphlet was intentional on the strength of this appointment which he declared had been foreshadowed to him in a vision at the exact hour of the martyrdom of joseph strang promptly and vigorously pushed his claims to the mormon presidency although not even half a year had elapsed since his baptism he was briefly conspicuous in the struggle that ended in the triumph of brigham young's personal force and shrewd strategy but was speedily driven from the main field of the contest lieutenant gunnison in his history of the mormons chapter five says the struggle for the seer secession followed rigdon as second in rank claimed promotion also by former revelations declared himself assigned to be their prophet he called a meeting and proclaimed his position as head james j strang contended for the place of seer and showed letters over the deceased prophet's signature assuring him that he should be the successor in the event of joseph's death but the college of the twelve had other views and by a vote on the subject they declared that definite instructions and the last will and testament of joseph had been delivered to them in secret council it revoked all former designations and devolved the choice upon them under the management of their sagacious chief they elected the peter of the apostles brigham young to the responsible station 
this enthronement drove rigdon with a party to pennsylvania where in a short time his influence vanished and the band dispersed strang founded a city on the prairies of wisconsin and had a numerous colony he ultimately removed to beaver island in lake michigan and assumed the title of king of the saints where the small kingdom still exists these bodies and their leaders were excommunicated by the great majority under their proper seer as was also william smith another competitor for the throne and a party in texas headed by lyman white in strang's case excommunication was accompanied by the widespread circulation of pamphlet attacks upon his character of all the aspirants he was the only one save brigham young who displayed any genuine qualities of leadership defeated at Navajo, he returned to wisconsin and maintaining his prophetic claims in published letters and in sermons gathered a body of followers with whom he founded the city of ory at which is now known as spring prairie wisconsin his disciples were there organized into a single community owning all things in common and living as one family they were called the primitive mormons and the Vorey herald was established as their organ from the same printing establishment was also issued a series of tracts setting forth the new mormon doctrines these sacred books of this sect were four in number the bible the book of mormon joseph smith's book of doctrines and covenants and the book of the law of the lord the latter having been translated by strang from eighteen metallic plates which he claimed to have miraculously discovered and which he said were written long previous to the babylonish captivity strang performed several miracles of this sort closely resembling those with which smith so successfully bolstered up the original and posture the community at vorey grew steadily under strang's energetic leadership but in eighteen forty six he determined to plant a colony on the lake michigan archipelago and in the following year he visited beaver island at the head of a prospecting party in the face of the resistance of the few traders already in possession and amid many hardships they thoroughly explored it and decided to settle there this is the largest of the many islands scattered thickly through the northeastern extremity of lake michigan divided into three groups known by the names of manitou fox and beaver and organized into the county of manitou by the state of michigan it is fifteen miles in length by six in width contains several thousand acres of fertile and well-watered lands and as one of the finest natural harbors upon the chain of great lakes these islands now contain an isolated community of small farmers woodcutters traders and fishermen are visited only irregularly by passing vessels and are chiefly known as valuable fishing stations thirty-five years ago they were sparsely inhabited by indians and indian traders and were camped upon occasionally by fishing parties but little or nothing else was known of them even at the principal lake ports strang believed that there he could establish his church on a secure temporal foundation and would escape that hostility of gentile neighbors which had proved so fatal to smith's settlements at the far west and Navo. convenient visions duly communicated to the faithful for their edification and guidance then ordered him not merely to gather his people at vorey but to also take them to a land amid wide waters and covered with large timber with a deep broad bay on one side of it there was accordingly some immigration from wisconsin to beaver island eighteen forty seven through eighteen forty eight but it acquired considerable proportions in eighteen forty nine through eighteen fifty 
and in the latter year the headquarters of the primitive mormons were removed from warry to the new village at beaver harbor to which the name of st james had been given in honor of its founder the Vorey herald was then seceded by the northern islander an exceedingly creditable specimen of backwoods journalism the communistic principle was abandoned and the saints became the owners of their own homesteads in july eighteen fifty the government of the church was thoroughly reorganized by the union of church and state and the formation of a kingdom with strang as king precisely the nature of his claim to the royal title is thus stated by one of the most intelligent of his followers wingfield watson who still lives at boyne charlevoix county michigan mr strang did claim to be a king only to the mormon people and upon the same principles and the same only upon which moses melchizedek elijah elisha noah enoch peter joseph smith and all the great and leading prophets of god claim that office since the world began namely by an appointment by revelation and an ordination under the hands of angels and as none of these persons ever proposed in any way to be king only to those who after a proper investigation of his claims and character chose to receive him as such so it was with mr strang by virtue of this ordination he claimed to hold the conjoined kingly prophetic and apostolic office held by all the above-mentioned personages this adjustable claim of kingly authority amounted practically to this among his own people and despite the occasional revolt of one or a few individuals strang was supreme and ruled them as he wished from first to last they believed that obedience to his commands was a duty and his missionaries did not hesitate to at times assert that strang was the only valid government on earth their leader however carefully kept his monarchical pretensions for home consumption and not only submitted to national and state authority as required but was shrewd in using the machinery of the civil law to advance his own ends as opportunity offered the general domestic regulations of his kingdom are thus described in a manuscript prepared by his wife the discipline of the church in the matter of temperance and morals was very strict the use of tea coffee and tobacco as well as liquors was prohibited the temperance laws of the state were strictly enforced with especially good effect among the fishermen and indians polygamy was introduced during the winter and spring of eighteen forty nine at first it was talked of quietly and secretly among the leaders and afterward publicly and openly among the people it was not looked upon favorably and there was never over twenty cases of plural marriages upon the islands no man had more than three wives except strang his first wife left him in eighteen fifty one two years after he married his second in eighteen fifty two he married a third and in eighteen fifty five two more no man was permitted to take more than one wife unless he showed means and ability to give them abundant care and comforts prostitution and lewdness were discountenanced alike in both sexes and it was as necessary for a man to be careful of his character and reputation as for a woman the county and township officers required by law were elected as in other parts of the state but those positions were not used by members of the mormon church except when required by circumstances of course in dealing with those outside of the church it was necessary to resort to the civil law bylaws for the kingdom were adopted and published and every household possessed a copy 
they were very strict in all that regulated society morals and religious observances and absolute obedience was enjoined the seventh day was set apart as the sabbath and every person physically able was commanded to attend church on that day the saints were required to pay one-tenth of all they raised earned or received into the public fund and the tithing was used for improvements taking care of the poor and paying state county and township taxes no other tax was levied schools were organized and flourished finely a printing office of sufficient capacity to print all the papers books pamphlets tracts etc needed for the church was maintained and became a strong arm in the association no betting or gaming was permitted but the rules were very liberal in the matter of amusements many improvements were made upon the beaver while small settlements were planted on neighboring islands a mormon tabernacle was also built and strang's cabin was raised to the dignity of a frontier palace by the erection of two additions connected with the main building by covered ways between the gentiles and the mormons of lower lake michigan a warfare was waged fully as bitter as that which drove the disciples of joseph smith from missouri to illinois and from the mississippi to the valley of the great salt lake for three years the traders at beaver island and the indians incited by the traders endeavored by all means short of murder to check the mormon immigration then the numerical strength changed to the side of the saints and they proceeded to retaliate vigorously they soon seceded after first coming to an understanding with the indians and getting rid of most of the gentiles and were left practical possessors of the island their relations with the fishermen and the settlers at mackinac and neighboring points on the mainland never became friendly each party charged the other with gross crimes and both at every opportunity seized the weapons of the law to aid them in the conflict bloody collisions were not infrequent and the feud finally became a murderous one the mormons were well provided with pistols and muskets and were the proprietors of a small cannon they also had boats of their own and more important still their movements were guided by definite authority and were not those of a mob gradually they got the better of their unorganized enemies and for the last half of king strain's reign they were dreaded and not despised some incidents will illustrate the desperate nature of this border warfare in eighteen fifty the fishermen planned a fourth of july celebration at beaver lake which was to reach a patriotic climax in the forcible expulsion of the mormons but the firing of a national salute from a shot at cannon and the parade of armed saints in large numbers brought that project to an inglorious termination somewhat later a mormon constable attempted to arrest the gentile brothers named bennett who had assaulted an elder of his church they resisted and a fight ensued in which one of them was instantly killed and the other lost a hand while the officer was seriously wounded a year or two afterwards the mormons elected the sheriff of the new county of emmett and he undertook to summon jurors from pine river now charlevoix on the mainland the settlers there treated this as an attempt to abduct some of their number for malicious purposes and drove the sheriff off by a fusillade from guns and pistols which badly wounded six of his posse the mere dread of the anger caused by this deed sufficed to promptly scatter the pine river settlers and the faith of the fugitives in their own prudence was soon confirmed by the erection by the islanders upon a convenient spot of a lofty gallows bearing suggestive inscriptions addressed 
to the murderers of pine river minor collisions and affrays were of constant occurrence while the mormons were denounced as mere outlaws on the other hand strang in the northern islander and in his pamphlets declared that his followers were a law-abiding and peaceable people who were persecuted by gangs of drunken desperadoes and were held responsible for offences never committed or for depredations which were in fact the work of their noisiest accusers he also wrote letters to papers in new york rochester detroit and chicago defending the mormons with no little plausibility strang's literary attainments were of fair character a paper of his upon the natural history of beaver island which can be found in the ninth annual report of the smithsonian institution is written in excellent english and with an easy style as an especially strong point upon his side of the argument he pointed to the fact that although he and his followers were frequently arrayed in the courts on charges ranging from petty larceny to high treason in no single case did conviction follow a notable trial was that which took place in detroit in the summer of eighteen fifty one in may of that year the united states authorities decided to proceed against strang and his confederates for trespassing upon the public lands stealing timber counterfeiting mail robbing etc the armed steamer michigan was placed under the orders of district attorney george c bates and with a force of deputy marshals sailed to beaver harbor it was expected that the service of the warrants would be resisted or evaded by the mormons but all the accused promptly surrendered themselves and a few of their chief men were taken to detroit for trial the testimony in the case was however taken at beaver island before united states commissioner w d wilkins by agreement between counsel colonel a t mcreynolds appearing with strang himself for the defence over one hundred witnesses were examined and the mass of evidence thus collected was submitted in the united states district court at detroit before judge ross wilkins in june eighteen fifty one the courtroom was crowded and the progress of the trial was watched with eager interest by the people of this city and was reported at unusual length by its papers strang made an exceedingly effective speech to the jury complaining bitterly of persecution and dramatically describing himself as a martyr to his religious convictions the judge's charge was emphatic in cautioning the jury against yielding to sectarian prejudice and the result was a verdict of acquittal this decided triumph greatly strengthened strang's hold upon the reverence of his followers and increased the general opinion of his capacity in eighteen fifty two the king became a legislator the score of new counties of the northwestern quarter of the lower peninsula of michigan formed at that time was known as the nuego district it was of immense extent and its few centers of settlement were widely scattered the result was that five legislative candidates were voted for the mormons solidly supporting strang who received a very decided plurality an attempt was made to arrest him on some charge and thus keep him away from lansing but he used his privilege as a legislator to escape that snare next his seat was contested on constitutional and other grounds he showed skill in the management of his own case in this instance made a forcible speech before the house and was admitted by a vote of forty-nine to eleven in eighteen fifty four he was re-elected and this time he took his seat without resistance thus serving two terms as a member of the state house of representatives 
king strang also dabbled in politics a little cooperating in the main with the democrats who were at that time in power in michigan the mormon vote he controlled absolutely and used it to secure advantages for his community and to make bargains that would help on his schemes of personal or church advancement in one or two doubtful state contests the action of the islanders under his leadership became a matter of solicitude to party managers and one or two trips were made to st james on political errands by that now veteran negotiator john h Harmon. strang did not lack for political ambition while at lansing he broached a scheme for subdividing michigan which embodied a plan for the erection of a new mormon territory this of course received no encouragement and then he applied to robert mcclelland of michigan who was then secretary of the interior in the cabinet of president pierce for an appointment as governor of utah promising that his administration should be attended by the uprooting of brighamite mormonism in the salt lake valley the end of king strang's reign came in eighteen fifty six externally the affairs of the kingdom were then at their zenith but serious internal troubles had arisen polygamy had proved a source of discontent and gave excuse for a revolt against strang's rigid discipline in small matters jealousies also sprang up at times between him and the more intelligent of his disciples soon after the occupation of beaver island the most effective of his preachers a strolling actor named george j adams became insubordinate and was excommunicated he failed in an attempt to organize a revolt and joined the gentiles he made several futile attempts to break up the new settlement but finally gave up the contest later the most capable of string's followers an educated baltimorean named dr h d mcculloch became disaffected and he successfully stimulated the hostility to the king both on beaver island and along the shore until it bore tragic fruit two men named bedford and wentworth had been subjected to public discipline one of them had been severely whipped and as he believed by strang's orders although this was denied they were eager for revenge and determined to kill the mormon leader whenever it could be done with any hope of escaping the fury of his followers the result was thus narrated in the columns of the northern islander of june twentieth eighteen fifty six murderous assault on monday last the united states steamer michigan entered this harbor at about one o'clock p m and was visited by the inhabitants promiscuously during the afternoon at about seven o'clock captain mcblair sent a messenger alex st bernard the pilot to mr strang requesting him to visit him on board mr strang immediately accompanied the messenger and just as they were stepping on the bridge leading to the pier in front of f johnson and co's store two assassins approached in the rear unobserved by either of them and fired upon mr strang with pistols the first shot took effect upon the left side of the head entering a little back of the top of the ear and rebounding passed out near the top of the head this shot fired from a horse pistol brought him down and he fell on the left side so that he saw the assassins as they fired the second and third shots from a revolver both taking effect upon his person one just below the temple on the right side of the face and lodged in the cheekbone the other on the left side of the spine near the tenth rib followed the rib about two inches and a half and lodged mr strang recognized in the persons of the assassins thomas bedford and alexander wentworth 
wentworth had a revolver and bedford a horse pistol with which he struck him over the head and face while lying on the ground the assassins immediately fled on board the united states steamer with pistols in hand claiming her protection the assault was committed in view of several of the officers and crew from the deck of the steamer also of dr h d mcculloch f johnson and others and no effort was made to stop it mr strang was taken up by a few friends and some of the officers of the boat and carried to the house of messrs prindles where the surgeons of the steamer made an examination of his wounds and declared recovery hopeless process was taken out for the apprehension of the assassins and the sheriff of the county called on captain mcblair for their delivery the captain refused to give them up saying that he would take them to mackinac and deliver them into the hands of the civil authorities of the state there the steamer left the next day carrying off all the persons supposed to be implicated in the affair thus affording military protection to murderers and overthrowing the sovereignty of civil law all the parties suspected of any share in the homicide were taken to mackinac on the michigan and were thus enthusiastically received by the people and speedily discharged from nominal custody strang was removed in a few days to vorey where he died on july ninth he was buried at spring prairie wisconsin and his family which consisted of five wives and twelve children lived in that neighborhood for a short time but finally scattered shortly after his removal from st james a mob of angry fishermen and others descended upon the mormon settlement burned the temple sacked the royal palace and drove the subjects of the fallen monarch from the islands in hot haste the dispersion of the beaver island mormons was complete and they have since ceased to profess any organized existence the men or their successors who expelled the saints are still in possession of the fruits of conquest they dwell in the abandoned homes substantial cabins of hewn logs vine-clad and surrounded by little gardens the office of the northern islander has become a boarding-house and is now the best hotel in st james the island nomenclature alone preserves the tradition of the fallen kingdom the village on beaver harbor is still st james the excellent road which leads into the interior is the king's highway the largest of the inland lakes is called galilee and a trout brook which winds through a ravine near the eastern shore is the jordan the mormon tabernacle is a mere mound of charred ruins catholicism has become the dominant religion of the island and is represented by a handsome chapel statement of the murder as witnessed by captain alex st bernard of the u s steamer michigan printed in the detroit free press june thirtieth eighteen eighty nine captain alex st bernard of st clair now eighty years of age recently gave the writer the following account of the murder of james j strang i was an officer on the united states steamer michigan for twenty-five years she was the first iron boat that navigated the lakes and she is in first-rate condition yet during the war we were kept pretty busy cruising between erie and chicago we generally took on wood at beaver island there were between two thousand and three thousand mormons living there then with their leader king strang besides the gentiles who were mostly fishermen and woodchoppers the mormons lived in comfortable houses of hewn logs and worshipped in a large temple built of the same material i was well acquainted with the king for he often came on board the ship he was a fine-looking sociable sort of man but he was not very popular among the gentiles 
we heard a great many complaints from them whenever we stopped there the mormons were obliged to turn over one-tenth of their earnings to the king and he demanded the same from the gentiles two fishermen who refused to surrender their hard-earned money were taken to the woods stripped and beaten with beech switches and the county treasurer who lived on the island was ordered to deliver up one-tenth of the public money the king was arrested and taken to detroit with his twelve apostles where he pleaded his own case and won it too and after that things were worse than ever when we stopped as usual on one of our trips around the lakes the complaints were so bitter that our captain made up his mind to arrest him again and he told me to find him and bring him on board the ship i went to the temple first where i was told that he had just gone home i found him sitting in his room with four of his wives where he received me cordially when i told him of my errand accompanied me willingly he linked arms with me and we walked along talking pleasantly just as we stepped on the dock and started to walk down the narrow passage between the piles of wood two of his enemies sprang from some hiding place and shot at him he clung to my arm until they began to pound him with the butt end of their pistols when he let go and fell leaving me covered with blood from my head to my feet there were no telephones in those days but the news spread in a very short time and a howling mob of men women and children gathered around their dying chief one surgeon came on shore and did what he could for the poor fellow but nothing could save him the murderers ran aboard the ship and gave themselves up the best thing they could have done for the mob would have pulled them in pieces if they had caught them of course suspicion fell on me many thinking i had led him to his death and i received several friendly warnings to be on my guard but i was not molested a detachment of troops were sent to bring the fishermen and their families on board the ship as it was considered unsafe to leave them on the island with the excited mormons the murderers were taken to mackinac and given into the custody of the county sheriff mr granger who kept the grove house at that time and is now living at fort gratian but they were never brought to trial End of sketch of James Jesse Strang in the Mormon Kingdom of Beaver Island Authors Unknown